Here is a sermon that was preached by Pastor Ballin in one of the Sunday morning services. So we are at the last uh, session of our series called Discipleship. So if you remember, we continued, uh, we, thank you. So we uh, started our sermon series giving an introduction on discipleship. And we continued further to understand what discipleship is. And we talked about various things. And this morning we are here to the concluding sermon on discipleship. It's called the breadth of discipleship. The width or breadth of discipleship. This morning, just want to you know, give you a background on what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks, uh, you know, during a couple of weeks. Who is a disciple? So a disciple is a student or a learner of God's word. And as we know, the learning never stops. We will continue to learn the scriptures until we die. Who knows, even when we go to heaven, probably we will continue to read the scriptures. You know, that's the reason sometimes we need to buy hard the scriptures. We need to memorize the scriptures. Right? So if, when you go to heaven, if you are not given a Bible, then what will you do? We need to memorize. Right? And you know, people also talk about in the time of Antichrist, when we may not get a Bible, then if you don't memorize those scriptures, how will you recite those scriptures? How will you pray with those scriptures? But I, I believe none of us want to be here during that time, Right? So we are gone before that. So with that assurance, let's put our heart and mind together in the word of God this morning. So who is a disciple? Disciple is the one who learns the scriptures. What is discipleship? Discipleship is a process through which disciples are made. And why should we make disciples? We are making disciples just because Jesus asked us to make disciples before he went to heaven. That's what he said. Go and preach the gospel and make disciples. And we also, also talked about five stages of discipleship. Spiritually dead, infant, child, young child, young adult, and parent. We talked about that. We also talked about the dimensions of discipleship. We said, what is length of discipleship? Length of discipleship says that we need to follow this Jesus lifelong. It is too long. Until we die, we need to follow Jesus we don't want to just leave Jesus halfway and follow some other God or some other goddesses. Or for that matter, even some people, they come to a decision, I don't want to follow any God. It's all done. It's all enough. We don't want to do that because discipleship is a lifelong process. Height of discipleship. You know, at times when we go through this discipleship process, we become tired. At times we, follow, we find it very difficult to follow the words of God, the words of Jesus and when we are tired, you know, God is good to take us to the mountaintop and give us good experience like the experience that he gave us this morning. Mountaintop experiences are for us. When we kneel down and pray, God Almighty comes and stands in the midst of us. And he encourages us. He gives you courage. He gives you strength. That's a mountaintop, height of discipleship. We also talked about depth of discipleship last week, week before. Disciples, Peter and the company, they were at the side of the seashore. They were washing their nets. And that's the time Jesus came into that place. And he asked Peter to put his boat in the sea. And he got onto that boat and he started preaching. Jesus started preaching. And after the preaching, Jesus asked him to push the boat into the deep. 
And that's where they got a catch. They couldn't find any fish, but on that night when Jesus said, they found fish. So we talked about depth of discipleship. Depth of discipleship is nothing but following Jesus. And why they, how they were able to follow Jesus? Because they were found with great work ethic. They were washing their net. They were very systematic in the way they function. And we found out that they did not possess anything on this earth. Even though the boat was Peter's, when Jesus came and sat on the boat, he gave that boat to Jesus. And he realized that even though it was given to him, he is not the owner of it. In the same way, there are many blessings God has given to us, but we don't own anything. The bank balance we see today, even though the, it, the amount is in our name, but we are not the owner of it. It is God. It is given to us to manage. We are stewards. We are managers of the wealth that God has given to us. And disciples, they knew that very well. They honored God. The moment they saw the miracle, Peter knelt down to the feet of Jesus. And he honored God. He humbled himself. And you know what Jesus said? I'm going to make you fishers of men. And they were willing to take the responsibility in the kingdom of God. And they forgot the fish that they caught. And they went behind Jesus. Following Jesus. We talked about the depth of discipleship. And this morning, we are going to talk about the breadth of discipleship. The breadth of discipleship. I've given some background information this morning for you. So let's, let's take it further. We are talking about the dimensions of discipleship. <coughs> Length, as I said, talks about following Lord Jesus Christ. Height, as I said, it talks about the experiences that we get as we follow Lord Jesus. As we follow Lord Jesus, Jesus wants us to experience those moments with him. You know, it's a joyous moment that God gives us. When, you know, when God speaks to you, when God gives you a word, when God gives you an encouragement, it is a moment of joy. It is a moment of joy. Those good experiences that we experience as we walk along with Christ. We also talked about depth as, I, as we see walking with Christ. And this morning we are going to focus on the breadth of discipleship. The breadth is nothing but serving Christ. Serving Lord Jesus Christ. You know, as disciples, I want you to think about the disciples of Lord Jesus Christ, the 12 disciples. You know, when Jesus called them into the ministry, they had no clue what they are going to do. Think about each one of them. Thomas, who came to India, he would have never thought that, you know, he's going to come to India. He would have never realized. Peter, who died for Christ, you know, most of the apostles, they died as martyrs except John. So, you know, when they would have never realized what is going to happen in their life. And this morning we are talking about the width and the breadth of discipleship. And as they were called, as they took this responsibility on their lives without knowing what is going to happen to them. You know, we focus on Simon Peter, just one disciple this morning, just to give you an example. Simon Peter, you know, when he was called to follow Lord Jesus... If you remember the scripture at the end of uh, Jesus' life on this earth, before he was taken up into the heavens, he spoke to Simon very specifically, certain things. He spoke to John, spoke about John, 
And he also spoke about Simon Peter. Let, let's read those scriptures together this morning before we take it further. Let's read from John chapter 21. This morning, you know, I believe God is speaking to us. And I believe we have an important message this morning that we need to carry and we need to spread that across. We are reading from John chapter 21 verses 18 to 19. Jesus says to Peter, most assuredly I say to you, when you were anger, you girded yourself and you walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. You know, Jesus spoke these words to Peter. <coughs> he spoke to him about the death that he is going to encounter. And Peter would not have had any idea about what Jesus is talking about. We are talking about the breadth of discipleship. You know, when God calls us into this, God calls us as a disciple in the process that we are in today. It is wide open. We don't know where we are going to end our lives. And in what fashion God is going to use us before we see the end of our lives. You know, it is our desire because we want to see the end being good in our lives. You know, most of the time we are curious about how I am going to end my life. And God is assuring that your end is going to be good. All that you need to do is you need to follow me. You know, I just want to think about Peter at that moment <coughs> with the eyes of faith. He's looking into the future. With the eyes of faith, Peter was looking into the future in all the disciples for that matter. And this is what he could see. He could see he's standing and preaching in the midst of people. So 3,000 people got added to the church. 5,000 people got added to the church. These are the things which are about to happen. And he was also able to see the visualize the travel that he had to make, the journey that he had to make to many different cities, many different places before he conclude his ministry on the face of this earth. And I believe he could also visualize with the eyes of his faith uh, <coughs> sitting in the dungeon, sitting in the prison cell, totally bound for the sake of the gospel, totally arrested for the benefit of the gospel. He was bound and he was sitting in the prison in his olden days. Peter, was, Peter could see this happening ahead of him. And also as Lord Jesus spoke about him, the kind of death that he is going to encounter. When the time came, when he was about to put to death, the Roman emperors asked him, Asked him to be crucified. And Peter came out and he said, I don't want to be crucified. Because you crucified my Lord and Savior. And I'm not worthy to be crucified the same way Jesus was crucified. Why don't you crucify me upside down? And the history says, tradition say that he was crucified at the cross upside down. You know, I'm talking about, we are talking about the breadth of discipleship. You know, this morning as we talk and as we take this further, who knows, some of us, those who are sitting here, if you are holding on to the faith, you may have to die as a martyr. Who knows? The persecution that is going on in different parts of the globe, what is the guarantee that the persecution may not come to Canada? There is no guarantee at all. Persecution is allowed by God. His people being persecuted, it is allowed by God at times in the history. Throughout the history, right from century one, <coughs> sorry, until today, 
we see church being persecuted. Persecution and Christianity, they go together. They cannot be separated. But God gives us grace at that moment. Peter, as a disciple, followed Lord Jesus. He could see all these things. You know, that's the reason I put it as a breadth of discipleship. We are going to go through some of the key scriptures this morning before we take it further. Breadth of discipleship. Key scripture number one. We are reading from Matthew chapter 28 verse 18. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And what he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know what Jesus spoke to the disciples? And I believe he's speaking the same thing to you and me this morning. He said, make disciples of all nations. He did not ask us to make disciples of our nation, only our nation. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to observe all things. Just keep that in your mind. Discipleship. Disciples are called to make disciples of all nations. Let's go to key scripture 2. Reading from John chapter 4, verses 34 to 36. John chapter 4, verse 34. Jesus says, Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they were already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he he who reaps may rejoice together. Lift up your eyes and look at the field. You're talking about the width of discipleship. You know, God is asking us to look around. God is asking us to take our eyes, turn our eyes and look. And God is telling us the fields are white already. Means the fields are ready for harvest. Fields are ready for harvest. It is just ready. All that we need to do is, as Jesus says in another scripture, Jesus says, pray that Lord of harvest may send Laborers, we are reading from Kivos 3, Matthew 9, 37 to 38. Matthew 9, 37, 38. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful. Harvest is white. Look at the field, the harvest is white. The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Who are the laborers we are talking about? Disciples are the laborers, and you and I are the laborers. God is asking us to carry this gospel and share this gospel to the nations. You know, today morning it is a call of God on your life and my life that we are called to serve. We are called to serve. And Jesus is telling, look at the field, look at the harvest. Harvest is plentiful, but laborers are few. Not many are willing to serve God. Not many are willing to follow Jesus. And God's heart aches. And Jesus looked at the disciples and said, Therefore pray. Can you pray? Can you pray for the God may send laborers to the field? So people are perishing before they die. They need to die by knowing the gospel. 
They need to know the gospel before their death. Can you send? Can you just pray? Can you just pray? So that somebody may go there to share the gospel. On the day I heard Jofin saying that, you know, there are people there dying in front of his eyes in the hospital. And he gets the last moment to share about Jesus. Before they die, there is a last final opportunity given to those individuals, those who are dying. They are just, life is just hold. Any moment it can be released artificially and share the gospel and then probably let them die. You know, it's an opportunity that God has given to you and me. That's the reason God has placed us, maybe in the medical field, most of us. It's the last moment, tell him, just confess your sins to Jesus. What do you see there? Close your eyes. And he'll say, I see very dark. I'm so afraid. I don't know what is going to happen to me. Just tell him, just say Jesus. Just say Jesus. Just say, Jesus, forgive my sins. Now what do you see there? I see little light. Just pray a little more loud. Just pray a little more loud because you have only five more breaths. Just pray right now. What do you see now? I see angels there. Now pray a little more and say that, forgive my sins, Lord. Forgive my sins, Lord. What do you see there now? I see Jesus standing there. Come on, go. You know, people are perishing without Christ. God is asking us this morning, can you pray? Can you pray so that somebody may go into the harvest field and, and do the work of God there? Disciples are called to make disciples. And how do we need to make disciples? Disciples of all nations. You know, it is very difficult to understand this at times. Why God said that? Why Jesus said that? There are many reasons, but one reason this morning I want to highlight is from Galatians chapter 3, verses 28 to 29. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 and 29. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. And hires according to the promise. We don't see any relative importance to anybody. May it be Jew or may it be Gentile. They are same. After the coming and resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ, Jew and Gentile are same. So there is no special significance for Jews, no. Jews or Greeks, they are just one in Christ. Either slave or free, they are same in Christ. We may have a slave at our house. On Sunday morning, you ask the slave to pack everything and get ready for church. Because you need to serve God. You are just same as me. There is neither male or female. If somebody tells you that female cannot preach in the church... It is a false teaching. This morning I'm going to throw all the false teachings. I'm going to bring it out this morning with the grace of God. If someone tells you that women cannot preach at the church, it's a false teaching. Just do not listen to that. It's not right. Scripture says, you are all one in Jesus. Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, we are all one in Christ Jesus. You know what a joy it is. When we walk into the church, we don't see anybody having significance there. It's all the same. Whether the pastor there or the deacon or someone who has come new to the church. What a blessing that church will be. How the church will flourish. Everybody is equal. 
Everyone is equal. But we have different responsibilities as we are members. My nail has a responsibility. And you have a responsibility. May it be nail, may it be finger, may it be eyes. And as we do our work, the body grows. The body flourishes. You know, that's how God wants the church to be. Disciples are given a wide vision. Not limiting to their own people. You know, when we come to this nation, I hear people telling that, I don't want to talk to these people of this nation. You know, sometimes we are afraid of the people of this nation. But God has sent us to this nation <coughs> because we are called as a disciple. Because he said, you go and preach the gospel to all nations. So we will not limit anything that we do for the work of God only for our people or our nationality. No, that's not according to the word of God. Let's do it for everybody. Let's love everybody. And I want you to think about the missionaries who came to our nation, some of our nations. They did not hate the brown skin. They did not have hate the black skin. They came there. And they lived with us. They ate and drank in the same vessel we used to drink and eat. They did not show any partiality. They just you know, went into the rottenness of those slums and areas that we see in our nations. Because they knew very well. They are called to preach the gospel to all nations. And there is no partiality. It is the same soul that we have within us. It's the same soul that leaves somebody who is living in a slum. Just there is no difference. Because life has happened to him in that way. That's the reason it is happening to him or her. And we need to thank God. And we need to love those individuals. And wherever we are, the nationality doesn't really matter. God wants us to love everybody. And as a follower of Jesus, we are kind of summarizing as we, what we talked about. We talked about the length of the discipleship. As a follower of Lord Jesus Christ, the decision that we have taken is lifelong. Until the end of our death, we are asked to follow Lord Jesus Christ. The mountain experience that God is given in, given, giving to us is to comfort us at present. At times, you know, when we need comfort, God wants us to be comforted. That's why he is giving us the height, the, the mountain experiences. And, you know, the decision that we took, to follow Lord Jesus. We took the decision in humility, humbling ourselves. Not, in, not looking at the blessings. Blessings will follow, but we want to follow the one who blessed us. You know, there is somebody who can always bless us. Lord Jesus Christ always can bring blessings on our lives. But God is asking us not to look at the blessing the same way disciples were not just keep looking at the fishes that they, they, got, they got. But they looked at the master. They looked at the savior, the miracle worker who brought that blessing in their lives. And as they were willing to take the responsibility, God was willing to take them into deep. And he made them as followers of Lord Jesus Christ. And the same God will make us to serve God Almighty as we live on this earth. This morning I want to talk a little bit about what does it mean to serving God? What does it really mean to serving God? And a couple of things I have listed down, they are very general ones. Number one, promoting the relational aspect of Christianity. You know, we are not called to promote a religion as we know. We are not called to promote, talk about Christianity. We are called to promote the relational aspect. What is the relational aspect of Christianity? Knowing Christ personally. Making a relationship with the Lord Jesus personally. Because no one else died for your sin. No one else gave his life for your sin. Only one. 
who hung on the tree, Lord Jesus Christ, is the one who died for your sin. And through his blood, the work that Jesus performed at the cross brings you salvation. That's the gospel. Now we are here to serve Christ. How do we serve? We promote the relational aspect of Christ. We don't talk about religion. The moment we talk about religion, the other person is not willing to listen to us. Let's talk about Jesus. They all like Jesus. Even including our father of India, the great na- father of great nation of India, Mahatma Gandhi. He liked Jesus. He said, I like Jesus and his teachings. But I hate Christians. Right? We need to promote the relational aspect of Lord Jesus Christ wherever God has kept. We are talking about how do we serve God. It's very important. Witnessing Christ. How do we witness Christ? It's very difficult, especially in workplace. How do we witness Christ? In our family situation, you know, some of our family background is still not, they are not Christians yet. They don't know about Christ yet. How do we witness Christ? Talking about some of the challenges that we deal with. Serving God also means witnessing Christ. The goodness of God. The love of God. The compassion of God, of Christ. How do we witness those things? I believe the only way we can witness those things is bringing those things into our lives. You know, most of the time our words will not help. How much of you try to tell about Jesus, the love of Jesus? People are looking into our lives. That's a challenge we struggle to handle. And God wants us to serve him by witnessing him. They want to see Christ in our lives. Because as we say, they never got an opportunity to read Bible. But they, they got a plenty of opportunity to read our lives. Because we walk up and down in front of them hundred times. The patients who are dying at the front of our eyes, they are watching us hundred times. They are watching your face expression. How do you deal with them? When you treat them, when you care for them, what your face looks like. We say that face looks like at 6 o'clock or... I don't know what, 12 o'clock? So uh, how our faces look like? They want to see Christ. They want to see love of Christ in our lives. Somebody is coming to you for help. Some fellow student who doesn't understand anything. And are you able to keep your agenda aside and spend time with her, time with him? People want to see our lives witnessing Christ. Other ways of serving Christ, sharing the goodness of the gospel. Fields are ready. That's what Jesus said. Fields are white. That means we are not telling. We are not telling. They are ready to receive, but we are not sharing. We are afraid of sharing Christ in the society. Sharing the burden of Christ by praying and interceding. And it's a great ministry. It's a great ministry. Jesus asks us to do that. Sharing the burden of Christ. Intercessors are the one who knows, who understands the heart of God. You know, understanding the heart of God is not easy. They need to just raise themselves up above one level from the ground. And they need to listen to God. And when God's heart cries, they cry. When God's heart moves, they move. When God's heart is concerned about something that is happening in this world, they pray for that. 
We are talking about different ways of serving God. Serving God by serving others. The poor, the needy people, the widows, the orphans, the outcasts, the alcoholic, all kind of sinners. When we serve them, it is serving equivalent to serving Jesus Christ. And as we know the scripture, Luke 19.10, precious scripture. Jesus said, Son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You know, it is very sad that Christianity understood the scripture in a wrong way. We think that Jesus came for the church. No. Jesus did not come for the church. Jesus came for those who are living in sin. Jesus came seeking those sinners and to save them, those who are lost in their sins. You know, the church is already in the plan of God. Even if you die today, the church will go to heaven. But somebody who is living outside, if they die today, they are going to go to hell. God's heart is outside, not in the church. Son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You know, Jesus was called when he was living on the face of this earth. He was called as friend of sinners. Friend of sinners. This morning I was just thinking about those words. Friend of sinners. You and I need to be called as friend of sinners. Jesus was called as friend of sinners. And you and I need to be called as friend of sinners. You know, that simply means God is asking us, expecting us to have friendship with those who are living in sin. Can we get the screen? God is asking us to have friendship with those who are still living in sinful things. Because Jesus was called as friend of sinners. You know, this morning I just want you to realize... How Christianity has gone to an extent today to keep away totally from those who are living in sin. You know, that's a very tragedy. It's a real tragedy that has happened to us. We are trying to keep ourselves away from those who are living in sin. You know, God cannot do anything with us. It's all closed. We close our doors. And God cannot do anything with us. You know, God is asking us to keep sinners as our friends. You know, church has been teaching this very wrongly and saying that you need to separate from this world. Jesus did not mean this when he said you need to separate yourselves from this world. God did not mean this when he said you need to separate from this wicked generation. Look at Jesus again. Jesus was called the friend of sinners, but not even one sin was found in him. Not even one single sin was found in him. And he's asking us to follow his footsteps. He's the only model. Nobody else. And he was asking us to keep sinners as our friends. Those ungodly people. You know, those who don't, don't go to church at all. Those who drink. And those who have tattoos and studs everywhere all around in their body. We want to keep them as our friends. They are our friends. They need to be our friends. You know, if you tell me that, you know, I'm just going for a dinner with uh, another Hindu family. I'm happy. Really happy. You need to do that. You need to keep doing that. Because God has called you to do that. Look at Jesus. You know, it's a picture, but that's the truth. And you know what? In Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 2, very interesting scripture, I won't read it. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear Jesus. 
Today, when you walk among your friends who are not godly, they run away from you because they'll say that, no, this guy has come to catch me. And tomorrow he's going to take me to the church. They'll run away from you. But scripture says, my Bible says, then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear Jesus. You know, what a, what a, what a, what a model he is. Who taught us that? That we need to separate from this world. That's not biblical. That's not right. We need to be followers of Jesus. Jesus said, all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him. I want you to think about a flashlight. You try to go in the middle of the day and try to show your flashlight. Do you see anything there? No. Nothing. We don't see anything. We don't see anything in the day. But you go in the night and try to show your flashlight. You see light falling on the object. When you have Christ in you, when you have light within you, God is not expecting us to show the light inside the church. God is expecting us to show the light among the sinners because that's where darkness is. That's where people are now wicked, so wicked. God wants you to walk into that place and show the light. They will be drawn to the light. That's the reason they are drawn to Jesus. How many of ungodly people you have in your Facebook how many of ungodly people, Hindu people, Muslim people, all the religion that we can name under the heaven, how many of them you have as friends in your Facebook? Keep them. If you try to keep Christians, if you try to keep believers, they will try to climb over your head. But keep ungodly people. You know, many of my friends, when I keep, when I post something, I get a very good response saying that I agree. I listen, I understand what you are saying. I find meaning in what you are saying. They are not Christians. You know, God is expecting us, keep them. Let's, let's read verse 2. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. I strongly believe those Pharisees and scribes are none other than some of the Christian churches and the pastors and the believers. If such thing happens to the believers, you know, they ask them to confess because you are having company with somebody who is not godly. The moment you go and deal with them, dine with them, you are defile yourself. How can you do that? I believe those are the Pharisees and scribes. You know, we need to be very careful in this matter. You know, we are taught wrong in many different ways. You know, God has brought you to this nation. God has brought you to the, to the times such as this to listen to me because we need to correct ourselves. Pharisees and scribes complained. Their complaint is what? This man receives sinners and eats with them. Jesus was lover of sinners. He did not love sin. But he saw the soul that's precious. Their soul and my soul are the same. Are the same. There is nothing that we need to be afraid of. There is nothing that we need to be, you know, we need to try to keep away from them. God wants us to love them because Jesus did so. How can we serve him? We talked about the many different ways of serving. How can we serve him quickly? By giving. By giving, we can serve. Now God has called us, some of us, to give more than what we can give. More than what is expected. We are givers. God wants us to serve him by our giving. Let's continue to do that. By doing. 
By doing, there are many ways we can work for God through personal evangelism. You know, some of us may not be good. We are, you know, we, we are not good in standing and preaching. We are not good in, you know, various other things in, in the public. But we are good at personal evangelism. If you talk to somebody, God has given you the ability to bring them under the gospel. To convince them with examples, you know, saying examples, live examples and stories. And you are able to share the gospel. God has given you that ability through personal evangelism, through outreach ministry. That's a blessed ministry. I don't know, we, Debbie did not talk about yesterday's outreach ministry. It was, it was beautiful. It was very well received by the people there. There were around 18, 19, 20 people there. The way they sang, the way they responded to the gospel, it's amazing. Outreach ministry. We are not doing great. We are just doing that once in a month. We need to do many more such outreaches. People who are perishing. Outreach ministry is another area where we can join. Just give your life. Pour your life into those areas where God wants you to. Being available for the work of God. Make yourself available, not just only Sunday morning, but just make yourself available. Lord, I'm willing to do it, Lord. There are areas of work I need to do for your kingdom. Just make yourself available. Then let's take it further. By going, Isaiah heard a voice on the day in Isaiah 6, 8. Lord God was speaking to Isaiah. And Isaiah says, and I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then Isaiah says, I said, here am I, send me Lord. You know, we can serve God by giving. We can serve God by doing the work of God. And we can also serve God by going. You know, God may put a thought in your mind that you need to go and meet somebody. Let's obey. Let's do that. God may give you a thought that you need to go to another city, maybe for a week, and be there because you need to strengthen some of those brethren and those who are living there. Just obey to that voice of God. If God is giving you that idea, if God is asking you to do that, you need to do that. Isaiah was willing to go for God. Finally, by living. By living. Not showing ourselves, but not appearing in front of people, but by living. How do we live? That really matters. The, the very important way to serve God is by living an example of Jesus. Is it possible? Yes, it is possible. That's the reason Jesus told, follow me. Follow my footsteps. Paul says, let us be imitators of Christ. How do we live for God? How do we live serving God? How do we serve him by living? I want to talk about, remind you about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You now, living the fruit of the Spirit. Loving everybody. Having joy in your heart. Loving everybody doesn't mean that you need to be loved always. Even some people are hating you, you can still love, you know. That, that's how it works. Joy, it's not that everything happening in your life to be good, to make you happy. No. You may have trouble, you may have difficulties, but in the midst of all, you can be joyful. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Otherwise, it's, it becomes a kind of fruit of the flesh. If you are able to be happy, when good things happen, that, that's not what God expects. Peace. 
long suffering kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness you know when we leave all these things that's where we can serve god not appearing we appear to be holy you know that's the reason i don't give any importance to the outward appearance even if you want to wear jeans even if you want to wear jeans that which is turned down you can do it you won't want to wear a jeans with a t-shirt with some pictures on this you can do it you want to wear jewelry not wear jewelry you can do it you want to cover your head not cover your head you can do it anything you want to do it you men want to wear shirt you can do it anything god is not pleased in our outward appearance at all but god looks it inside of us you know we are taught wrong children of god we are taught wrong we are given more focus to the outside appearance and saying that you know this is wrong that is wrong so many things are wrong by doing all these things we are bound have you heard about religious bondage have you heard about spiritual bondage these are all spiritual bondages in our lives now god wants us to serve him with freedom that's the reason god called us children of israel were under bondage in egypt they cannot do anything that they wanted but when they were brought through the wilderness into the canaan they have given all the freedom even in the wilderness they have given they given all the freedom to serve god you know we are given all the freedom because god is not pleased in our outward appearance you know there may be certain instances god may ask you to do you need to wear only this kind of dress you need to wear only that may be for you do it if god wants you to do that but that's not for everybody if you try to follow that because it is not for yourself not for you you will be in trouble you will be in bondage spiritual bondage you know god wants us to live in front of others that's an important way to serve him finally i just want you to look at this slide i want to close with this when a sinner this is important when a sinner walks into our church what does he or she see you know this is very very important because we are talking about serving god we are talking about somebody coming into the through the door who's living in sin and god is asking us to love him god is asking us to share and care for him and when someone walks into the church what do we see there what does he see there sinner walking into the church a sinner comes into the church right so as he walks into the church eventually our objective is to draw him to the cross the church should help him to come to the cross you know that's the wish when someone walks into the house you know i pray lord can he give his life to you can he just speak to him today so that he can give his life to you but unfortunately when he walks into the church let's see what he sees inside the church you know these are a couple of things that he sees inside the church as he walks into this church he see a rock sitting there that's unloving there is so much of hatred he comes and stands and looks here and there and he looks stands here and there and he see a bunch of people who are not loving he see saw the same person in the workplace never he bothered to speak to him at all but now he is coming and clapping his hands in the presence of lord you know i'm talking about something real that's happening unloving and hatred he found at the church let's see what else he found judgmental very narrow minded people you know mostly when you talk to an unbeliever they say that all the christians are very narrow minded you know 
They think about their own stuff. They think about their own blessings. They have so many, so many doctrines and so many teachings and theologies. They just follow. I, I don't think I can follow. Is that the reason God, Jesus, came to this world? You know, we are really disappointing him. When we become judgmental, I'm not given an authority to judge somebody. That's what scripture says. Do not judge others. Judgment belongs to God. Judgment belongs to God. No, that's a simple reason. When people come for communion, we have a practice, we have a custom saying that nobody should take communion if they're not baptized. That's a, that's a rule, that's a discipline we keep. But if out of that, even after saying that, if somebody comes and takes communion, I cannot push him. I cannot tell him that, stop coming. I won't, I won't give communion. I cannot judge. None of us can judge anybody. We are not greater than somebody. We are all equal in the presence of God. It is up to God to see our hearts. At times we become narrow-minded. The sinner is struggling at the entrance to see the cross, but he couldn't see the cross. And what else he sees there? He sees unforgiving and bitterness inside the church. Someone is talking to, not talking to somebody. Someone is carrying something that happened in the past in their mind, so deep in their hearts. Christ cannot be found there. Unforgiveness and bitterness. What else we see there? We see man-made doctrines and false teachings inside the church. Jesus made everything simple when he died at the cross because he wanted to redeem those people from the hands of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They put so much of heavy load on people. Today, the church is doing the same thing. Especially Pentecostal churches are putting so much weight on the people that nobody else can enter into the church. Church doors are closed. Nobody else can enter into the church. We don't want to bring any of those doctrines. Only few doctrines as we listed as our faith statement. Believe in Jesus. Get baptized. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Live a holy life. Go to heaven. Simple teachings. All the rest are man-made doctrines because we, they want to keep people under control. That's a bondage. That's a spiritual bondage I'm talking about. So the man, the sinner who is coming into the church, he couldn't see the cross because he's held up their man-made doctrines and teachings, policies and practices. We can make a thick book of policies and practices in our church. And finally, only six of us, ten of us need to be here. Nobody will come. It's too much tight. Too many practices there. If you want to go, you need to wear this. And today morning, I don't have the dress. Probably I don't go to church. You know, so many practices and policies where a sinner can find Jesus in the midst of all these things. What else we have? We are talking about spiritual pride. When sinner walks into the presence of God, he finds people are so puffed up, so prideful, because they think only God listens to God listens only to them. Only they see God. Only they speak to God. Spiritual pride. Very much seen among the Pentecostals. Very much seen today. Sinner cannot find Jesus. Then what else you are existing for? On the day I saw some other face, uh, WhatsApp uh, message that was forwarded. When someone enters into heaven, it's a great surprise for him. Because he didn't, his past, he didn't see his pastor there. He didn't see all the believers there. He saw somebody who was drunk, uh, drunkard. 
somebody who is an addict alcoholic somebody who is sexually moral all of them they are sitting there in the heaven and he asked god lord what's going on here and god said Shh, keep quiet and god said even not only you even even they are surprised to see you in heaven because you are the only one who came the rest are all your church is still there in the earth only you came you know if we are judgmental if we are unloving if you are having false teachings and doctrines if you are spiritually puffed up you cannot go to heaven it's going to be a great surprise for you and me and i believe church need to listen to this what else we have there position and money position and money there is a great fight going on in the churches because who will become a next leader of the church and there is a court case going on for the churches because one leader one party does not like the other party and they file the case in the court you know how sudden it is the entire bunch the whole thing is going to go into the pit of hell you cannot go to heaven if you keep complaining about your brethren god has called you to walk in love god has called you to walk in peace god has called you to walk in humility there's a fight for position and money the god will make bring all these people into judgment because one sinner who is trying to find jesus is not able to find the cross so much is standing before him between him and jesus this is a very much valid representation of today's church and you know what I want to read mark chapter 9 verse 42 and close these are the words of jesus but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble whoever causes somebody to make him to hesitate to follow lord jesus it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea let's not become a stumbling block for somebody to follow jesus someone wants to follow jesus show him the cross and the work that jesus did at the cross don't talk about yourself talk about christ because when we talk about ourselves the purpose is defeated talk about christ and his work he will give us life to jesus let's not be a stumbling block and eventually get into the pit of the hell disciples serve god by loving everybody everybody jesus loved everybody not just our own members not just people who are outside even the wicked everybody jesus loved everybody disciples serve by accepting everyone we should be willing to accept everybody think about this church is filled with sinners how good it would be sinners all getting together to worship jesus how blessed the church will be when sinners are drawn to the cross disciples serve by honoring others than themselves we need to know we need to learn to honor others some of my friends are baptists i honor them i honor them in fact yesterday the moment we went to shanex one lady one resident came and she hugged me and said you are a baptist pastor 
And I can't tell her anything. I can't explain to her. I honor her. There are very good people living in the other denominations, not just in Pentecostal. There are very good people living even to Pentecostal. There are good people everywhere. We need to know how to honor them. How to honor them others than ourselves. That's what scripture says. We need to know how to honor others than ourselves. Finally, disciples serve by introducing sinners to the cross. You know, that's a service that we can render to God after all. This morning we are talking about the final aspect of discipleship. That's the breadth of discipleship. And God has called us, you and me, to show the path towards the cross. You know, that's where sinners can find their sins being washed away. And that's the only purpose God has called the church this morning. Shall we close our eyes? Just want all of you to stand for a moment. And I believe this morning God is speaking to you. God is pointing you to some of those false things that we are trying to hold on to. God is telling you this morning about current days Pharisees and Sadducees. The, all the kind of obstacles that we see in the church today. And you know what I'm talking about. And this morning God wants us to repent. God wants us to repent for doing those things and supporting those kind of people and looking at those people as your model. God wants you to repent. And God wants you to know none of them, nobody can be kept as a model in your life other than Lord Jesus. Because we are all the same. I'm not greater than anybody to keep me as a model. No, not at all. I do my job. You do your job. We cannot keep anybody as an example. No. No pastors, no preachers, no. Do not follow anyone. Do not follow. It's good to listen to them if they are good teachings. But do not follow them. Do not even put them as your favorite. No. Do not do that. No. Only Christ. Only Jesus. Rest are all will fail. When they fall, you fall. It's not worth keeping them as your model. Only the one who gave his life at the cross. Only the one who walked before you and asked you to follow. Let's follow his footsteps as God is calling you and me as a disciple. This morning I want you to say sorry to God for some of those areas that you are so adamant about. You thought that's how it is. No, but this morning God is revealing that to you. That it, No, it's not that way. Because I came to seek and save that which was lost. This morning tell God, Lord God, I will live the rest of my life not for a denomination. I will live the rest of the, my life for the sake of the gospel like Paul did, like Peter did. We don't know what the future holds for us but I believe God is aligning you, your family as long as you are willing to listen to me because God is putting that burden heavy in my heart to bring those things out and speak to you directly, not in direct way. I've been trying that in a very indirect way but God is giving me courage to speak to those things directly. Some of us may not like that. They may leave the church. Let them go. But those who are here want us to listen. You need to know the heart of God because God's heart is with the sinners. 
God's heart is with those who are living outside in sinful things and God has strengthened given enough strength to you even if you touch them even if you deal with them even if you pray for them even if you go around out for a dinner with them nothing can touch you because you are a child of God do not worry about that no sin will enter into your life you can keep and keep shining the light of Lord Jesus Christ among their lives and this morning God is calling you to do that God is calling you to do that you know sometimes it becomes very difficult to come out of those things but this morning I pray Lord Jesus you would give your children the ability Lord God to know what is truth Lord to know what is important oh God know what is your priority Lord help them to know what is your heart Lord I pray that oh God you would continue to download downpour your heart Lord upon our lives Lord so that Lord we will keep only you as our example and model and build our Christian life on you oh Father God because you are the solid foundation Father this morning we are here to honor you Lord we are here to honor you oh Father God continue to bless your children oh Father God speak to them oh Father we give you glory bless us and let this week be a blessing for us in Jesus mighty name Amen Hope you are blessed by this teaching Please write to Pastor Balan Swami Nathan at balan at hipm.org God bless you